Welcome to TSC Pods, the podcast series from the Taipei School of Economics and Political Science. Join us for enlightening conversation over a cup of coffee with some of the brightest minds in the field of political science and economics. In today's world, technology and entrepreneurship almost go hand in hand. The reverse migration phenomenon amidst China's Thousand Talents plan has its own appealing feature, exclusive to this group. In light of this phenomenon, Professor Zweig will disclose to us what makes it desirable for them to return and its actual effects. So, I have two data sets for reverse entrepreneurs. So, RE stands for reverse entrepreneurs, right? And LE stands for local entrepreneurs, okay? And in 2004, I got money from a center. Uh, myself and two other colleagues got money from a center at HKUST, and we worked with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences and the Beijing Academy of Social Sciences, and we collect data on 100 returned entrepreneurs and 100 local entrepreneurs using a snowball sample. Snowball sample means you know somebody, they introduce you, and so eventually it's like a snowball rolling and getting bigger and bigger, and you get your numbers. And this was in Guangzhou, Shanghai, and Beijing. Now in 2020, 2021, I got money again from the Research Grants Council of Hong Kong to replicate that study. Same questionnaire, but it was much harder to do because it was during COVID and people did not have the time to be interviewed because most of their businesses were in trouble. So we were only able to interview 60, uh, sorry, 61 um, returnees and 88 locals. So the statistical analysis is not as good. I needed more. Um, now, uh, among the return, now for return entrepreneurs, these should be the people for whom it's most important because they're really driven by business, right? They want to bring something back that's going to give them a, a really strong position within the domestic market. Not the, they're not looking, and again, it's like the Taiwanese, they don't go to China to try and get an export platform and take advantage of the inexpensive labor. They're going to China because they want to get into the Chinese market. They've got a shortage good. They've got something that the Chinese economy needs, and they can manufacture it in China, potentially in a joint venture, and sell it in China. That's where the money is. You know, not ex- Hong Kongers manufacture in China for export. But Taiwanese, I think, were ex- manufacturing in China much more to go after the domestic market, right? But one of the things I discovered is what, what kind of technology do you bring back? And my argument at this point was that it was enough to bring back second-tier technology that was not available in China. Again, a shortage good and an accessible shortage good, right? If you get a hold of, if in 2004 you're getting a hold of top Western technology, you're stealing it. You're going against intellectual property rights. But nobody cared if you got a second tier technology from General Motors or General Electric. They didn't care, right? You could bring that back. They, They didn't care, but you could do really well with it in China. So that was another one of my hypotheses that I wanted to prove. Um, 
And of the 100 returned entrepreneurs in 2004, 27% said that their main reason for returning was that they had a technology that, while not world-class, was unavailable in the Chinese market, right? 28% said this was the second most important reason. So I like to say that's as much as REs brought technology back to China, technology also brought the REs back to China because there was lots of money to be made. Um, now, again, this is really, you're looking for shortage in the domestic market and you're looking for short supply. I can skip this, but, but asking questions like how shortage, you know, well, I'll show you just the, the, the table, right? So here's 2004 and here's 2020 percentage wise in great shortage, right? The relative shortage. Here you can see that the earlier days they were bringing back uh, actually higher quality stuff. Very hard to bring back really top technology in the, from the United States, let's say. You're going to get arrested. Someone's watching you. You can get in trouble. So again, you still try and bring back second tier technology. Um, can skip this. Uh, I'm going to skip this. Now, the environment for the returnees uh, really improved under Jiang Zemin because Jiang Zemin had a much more favorable view of entrepreneurs, of the market, of the market economy. He put it in the constitution that um, uh, capitalists, or he made it acceptable for capitalists to join the Communist Party, which of course is a contradiction. Because the purpose of the Communist Party is to carry out the dictatorship of the proletariat on the capitalists. But, but he totally transformed uh, uh, the concepts uh, of Marxism. And uh, he just made it much easier for uh, returnees to come back. People used to say, Deng Xiaoping helped us go out, Jiang Zemin helped us come back. That was a famous saying at the end of the 2000s. Um, and uh, the high tech zones were helping them, zone management committees, city governments. It was a kind of import substitution uh, industrialization strategy. So in this period of time, returned entrepreneurs were really welcomed, right? Um, another thing is, how much would the technology affect your business success? Can I prove that if you've brought back technology from overseas, does it improve your business success, right? And here you can see, this is for 2004, 2005, the level of technology, statistically significant for, um, one was for revenue and one was for profits. Um, and here you can see the level of technology uh, is statistically significant for doing well, right? Um, uh, having work experience abroad. Interestingly, if you rely on an overseas network, it's negative, which suggests that you should be paying attention to the domestic market, not spending so much time on the international market, right? Which is where you're going to make your money. Um, now, in terms of 
returnee entrepreneurs' perceptions in 2020, 2021, the level of technology was clearly statistically significant for two of these models. Um, again, I could only do bivariate analysis. I couldn't do a, you know, the previous, th th this one had 21 variables, right? Somehow we could get away with it, but this we couldn't. So it's mostly bilateral, you know, bivariate. Uh, now, well, three. So being an RE, being a returnee, the level of your technology, how did that affect your perception of your revenue? And the level of technology was statistically significant in affecting the revenue for the 61 um, people. Um, Robert Dahl, a great political scientist at Yale, always used to say, so what? You know, when I finish this book, and this is going to be, uh, you know, I hope a book, um, uh, I admit that, that I think that if you get a foreign PhD and a postdoc, you're better well-trained. Uh, still at this point than you will be if you work in China. Still, in terms of cutting-edge stuff, I think it makes a difference. Um, CAS has limited people with such experiences as I showed, right? Institute directors are not going to help people outside of their network very much. You know, they'll still channel money to their own people. Um, the, there were, in 2004, easy gaps to fill in. And the reason you could go and use a middle-range technology and bring back what I call the second-tier technology is there were lots of gaps. And so you could make your money doing that. Those gaps are pretty much filled. You know, if you think of China, sort of all these gaps that you could fill in, now those gaps are pretty much filled. So if you want to come back and bring back a technology, you have to bring something pretty good back. And if you're bringing something pretty good back, there's a chance that... It's not 100% legitimate in terms of intellectual property. And I think in the biotech sector, a lot of that, people are bringing back or transferring back information on cancer research. If you're a professor or you're a scientist and you get a really good cancer drug, you can immediately become the vice president of the top hospital in China. Overnight. Right? Really easy. I mean, those are the kinds of shortages that if you can fill, still work to get you really good um, opportunities. Um, and, and so, in fact, that's why when you look at the China Initiative, which was an attack on Chinese scientists in the United States, the most aggressive institution was um, the National Institute of Health. I've interviewed the people there. Um, they were really aggressive. They're the most aggressive people going into Congress, attacking the Chinese. They had a list of 500 people. They threatened universities. If they didn't find people to fire, they wouldn't get any more money from NIH. I mean, I know this to be true. Um, uh, I interviewed the guy who was saying this to people. He doesn't know that I don't like him very much, um, uh, but I never hid that. Um, and, and so you really find this whole problem that we've watched with the China initiative in part is based on people still trying to bring back shortage goods. And that ends our episode and Dr. Zweig's series on China's Thousand Talents Plan. Thanks again and we look forward to you tuning in next time. If you wish to learn more from the world's leading scholars in the area, stay tuned only here at TSE Pods 
the official podcast series of the Taipei School of Economics and Political Science. Visit us at tse.nthu.edu.tw and subscribe. Again, this is Kurt Abelos of TSE Pods. See you next time with your cup of coffee.